What's going on and welcome into the Friday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Sowerson alongside Pelicans.com writer Jim Eichenhofer. We continue with our player recaps and end the week, of course, with the number one pick overall, Zion Williamson. And joining us now to help us do that. And we'll talk a little bit more about what's been going on with the NBA in the last couple of days. Senior writer for NBA.com, Michael C. Wright, is kind enough to join us today. Michael, I appreciate the time. I know it's been a crazy 48 hours um, since Wednesday with when the boycott started to happen. I appreciate the time. Uh, no problem, man. Uh, as crazy as, as it's been, I mean, I think we all, all three of us can say that, you know, we were, I, at least I know I was, I was super proud of those guys, what they did. And, you know, I hope it resonates throughout the country, given what's going on. Absolutely. I, I want to start with that here because I think it's so important to discuss this. And what was going through your mind on Wednesday when the Milwaukee Bucks decided not to take the court? And that was the trickle-down effect for the rest of the games uh, to be postponed right. tonight. What was going through your mind? It was it was crazy because I was actually on, like, I was, I was dialing into the Zoom calls for the pregame availability for Billy Donovan and Mike D'Antoni because I was about to cover that game. Had my computers ready, had my, my drink and my, you know, my little beanbag chair. I was ready to go. And then all of a sudden, while we're on the, uh, the, the the Rockets call, it just said Zoom meeting canceled and it just went off. And then so I go to the OKC one real fast. And then they're like, you know, they actually come on and say, you know, Billy Donovan is not going to talk today. So at that point, I sort of knew, you know, I already knew about Milwaukee, but that I was like, okay, I think they're canceling all the games today. And so it was, it was crazy, man. I mean, I think we all were switching through the channels, checking Twitter, you know, all our favorite follows and all that stuff just to kind of see what was going on. But it, you know, like I said, I think it was a huge moment. I think we're, we're in the midst of, of history being made here. And I just hope that it, 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 does something it resonates throughout this country and people start to sort of realize the message that these guys are trying to send for those that are tuning in on a friday this is when the show's posted we're actually talking on thursday afternoon so i'm sure some things have transpired since then but we are at least going to recap what happened on wednesday and thursday afternoon but as far as an historical standpoint i would say it's a landmark day not only for the nba but i feel like michael this could have been or wednesday could have been a landmark day in professional sports based on how the trickle down effect not only happened for the NBA and WNBA, but Major League Baseball, tennis, uh, a lot of sports seem to uh, take the Milwaukee Bucks' lead. Absolutely. And it, it, doesn't it just seem like the NBA is sort of taking the lead on, on a lot of really important things? I mean, we can go back to the, the COVID, COVID-19, when the NBA shut down the season. Pretty much everybody else, you know, shut everything down, too. So, you know, I'm super proud to sort of be a part of it and to be covering this. And I'm sure you you guys are, too. I mean, right. It's monumental, and I think it's just something for us all to be really proud of. Absolutely. So there's a lot going on right now as far as what's next. It looks like from what we're discussing now is teams will begin play again, maybe starting with today and then Saturday as far as making up those games that were postponed. But from from here on out, where where does the NBA go? Where do the players go? Where do the owners go as far as making sure that Wednesday is not forgotten as far as, you know, they want to impact change and they want to do it right now? I think that's what all the meetings are about. I, like, you know, all these meetings they're having today, and I'm sure they're going to be meetings in the future, you know, in the next couple of days. And I think that they have to be really strategic and, and really map this out, how they can make the most impact. And, you know, at this point, I'm really not sure what that is because 
you know, throughout the time they've been in the bubble, we we've seen the the messages, we've seen the shirts, and and you know, we've we've gone through the press conferences, and all these people have sort of sort of spoken in their mind about what's going on, but it's happening right as these guys are in the bubble. It's still happening, and so I don't necessarily know what we, what they can do, but I would also say that you know, you, Jim, me. I think we all have a responsibility in in keeping that conversation at the forefront. I think we should be asking these guys these questions about what's going on in the world because when they went into the bubble, that was the mandate. They wanted to make sure that they kept the conversation going around, you know, social injustice, equality and all those things. So, you know, I think I think it's just as much up to us as it is them to to get that message out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that's why it was important for us to begin this conversation with talking about it because it's so important. It is going to be important for not only just this season, but for seasons to come. But we are here to talk about Zion Williamson. We've been doing our player recaps all week. And I'll hand it over to Jim here to begin that conversation because Zion Williamson was such an important part of this Pelicans organization for this year. Jim, take it away. Thanks, Daniel. Um, Michael, of course, we appreciate you being here. And I remember one of the things that you mentioned a couple times during the season was that you were actually there for Zion's debut against the Spurs on January 22nd. And I know it's been, you know, seven months since that game happened, but can you kind of talk about uh, what you remember from the atmosphere that night? Do you remember it? Do you, do you think of it as kind of like a playoff atmosphere? What was that something Absolutely. that you haven't seen before in the Smoothie King Center? Absolutely. It was, I mean, there was electricity in there and I'm talking about from the time, I landed, you know, at the airport and got in the Uber. I mean, I was talking to, to the Uber driver about it. I show up checking at the hotel and the concierge or the, whoever it was that checked me in, they were like, you're here for Zion, aren't you? I was like, absolutely I am. <laughs> and then, so, you know, it, it just sort of kept going from there. Everybody, everywhere you went, everybody was talking about it. And then I'm not gonna lie, like watching the game, I was sort of like, okay, we're here for this. And you know, what's going on here? Like. You know, because nothing happened for a long time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Zion just goes off. I, I, what was it, 17 points in a row? Mm-hmm. And it was like in a short span, like two yeah, like minutes. Three, three minutes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, and that happened like in the second half, and you were like, holy moly, this guy's something else. Because you, you saw it in the preseason, but, you know, obviously the level of competition and the level of effort being put forth in the preseason is a lot different in the regular season. And you can tell that the man was hyped to be out there finally. And so, you know, for me, it sort of was, was just the beginning of like, okay, we're going to see this kid for a long time. He's explosive. He's got that dog in him. He's, you know, he comes from a winning program and that's what you're going to see from him. And so, you know, obviously you guys know that probably my favorite trip in the whole division is New Orleans. <laughs> and so I'm like, hey, man, hey, they got to win some games so I can be there more often because, you know, I love watching the kid play. And it was something else. I remember because I had to do NBA TV that night. And so they had me, like, live commentating as he was coming out for his warm-up and everything. <laughs> and, 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 I like, I had never done that before. And so I couldn't help but get, like, sort of react to some of the things he was doing. Like, I think he tried to do his between-the-legs dunk at, at, at the end of his warm-up, and he missed it. I was like, oh, and I'm, I'm on live TV doing this. <laughs> so it, it was crazy, but, you know, very memorable, probably one of the most memorable moments of this past season. Well, you know, we'd love to have you back courtside commentating on his pregame warm-ups in future <laughs> years in April and May. 
and maybe even June. So that's something that we definitely would look forward to with you. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about was um, just obviously, I think one of the things that was the most disappointing, I think, about his season was just that we didn't see more of it, that he only played in 24 games. Obviously, he had a long stretch where he was out because of knee surgery, came back and played, and then the pandemic happened. But um, you, you mentioned him coming from a winning program, and people knew a decent amount about him based on the exposure that he got while he played at Duke. But um, based on what your expectations were or what you saw of him, what were some of the things – was there anything that surprised you about what his adjustment to the NBA level or some of the things that he was able to do now against grown men instead of the, you know, the year that he spent in college? Well, that, that right there, which you just mentioned, the fact that he was able to do it against grown men. But I think the thing that struck me the most was how explosive he is. Like, and it, it's like, it's, he can turn it on just in a, in, in a split second. I mean, he can do whatever he wants out there on the court, it seems like to me. And, you know, like, yes, it was sort of disappointing that, that you know, we didn't get to see enough of him. And also, let, let's be honest here, even when we, as good as he was when we did see him play, we, we've got to remember that he probably hadn't even caught a real rhythm yet because it was like it was stop and go. I mean, even going all the way to the bubble because I was a little, you know, in the when he, they were in Orlando, I was a little – I felt like he wasn't the same guy that I had seen earlier in the season. And I think that part of that is, you know, he had, he had to go tend to that family emergency and then come back and then you got to quarantine and, you know – then you get put on this minutes restriction. And so we never got to see, like, he just, they never opened him up and let him go. And I think when we see that happen on a consistent basis, I think it's going to be a scary thing for everybody they play against because that dude is something else. And let's stop worrying about his body. That's one thing that, like, drives me nuts about him. Everybody is so consumed with what's going on with the guy's body, but you see him out on the court, you see what he does. Is he, has he slowed down? Has he lost his explosion? Does he, does he still have that second jump? Is that fast? He still does. So to me, let's stop obsessing about the man's body and just, you know, kind of enjoy what we're seeing because what we're seeing is something just extraordinary to me. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was part of my next question of ignoring the, the body part of this as far as what his game what's next for his game? What do you think that is on the court? Something that whether he's going to work on this off season or what do you want to see next for him? I know a lot of people talk about he's got to start shooting threes. And I know in that game against San Antonio, he hit a couple threes, but I'm not sure that that necessarily is going to be his game. If he can be just that, you know, guy in the post, do you feel like he needs to expand his game a little more or is he kind of need to tune up more? The post game is kind of his, his next step in progression. I think you almost need to sort of just take baby steps. I mean, the post is where the man lives and, 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 you know, so out of that, how do you facilitate better from the post? You know, whether that's, you know, kicking out to guys out there on, you know, out in three-point land or whatever, that kind of thing. Work on your post moves. Like, get that 100%, you know, how you want it before you start trying to step out and into the mid-range, which I think his mid-range game is fine. But, you know, if you want to step out with three, he did. I think he hit four threes against the Spurs that night. Yeah. But I think, you know, you master what it is you're there for, and then you sort of kind of go, go from there. And, you know, he's so dominant. Like I said, he can do whatever he wants. I mean, how many times have we seen him go through the lane and, like, it's like a freight train coming, and, like, everybody's like, okay, what are we going to do here? You can't stop him. So he's got that part. But, you know, add to that. Add to that 
inside and then just kind of gradually go out from there. And, you know, I think that, you know, with the, the, the core that he has around him right now, I think those guys will be really helpful in that. You know, guys like Drew, that's a team leader, you know, and like Drew, uh, B.I., you know, those guys are going to be instrumental in helping to bring him along. But, you know, like I said, once he gets going, it'll be something else. That's a good point. What guys need to be around him as far as what can help his game and what can help those around him as far as whether it's just a bunch of shooters around Zion um, that can help space the floor? What kind of guys need to kind of team up with or how do guys complement Zion as, as far as getting effectiveness from both him and the other guys around him? Well, I think they've sort of got the nucleus there. And, you know, as a reporter, I mean, you know, we, we all do this when we've been, been doing it for a while. But a lot of times, like, we hear what someone says and then, like, we start to look way too deeply into it and make it way more than it is. Well, you know, when Griff, the last time we talked to Griff and, in, in, uh, you know, with the gent when Gentry was fired, I remember him saying something about uh, winning talent. He said they're not – he said the, he said the team is not long on that. So I sort of took that to mean that the the – for the most part, and he, he actually singled out some guys, too. Pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to the guys he singled out. And, you know, I get the impression that the roster is not set. It's by any means. I think they're going to add complementary pieces, but they'll also have the nucleus. You know, the guys, you know, Drew, B.I., I think Josh Josh Hart is part of that nucleus. I think um, – uh, who else? Uh I like Lonzo, man. I don't know what it is. I love him, though. But uh, like him, I think that those guys, as they grow together, because they're all so young, as they grow together and get the chemistry going, I think that that's going to help with the development. And like I said, you got Drew there. And, you know, like we, we've watched enough of the Pelicans to know that they can score. They score the ball. They just got to learn how to stop people. And I think that's, you know, once they start playing some defense, I think everything sort of flows from there because a lot of times your offense, you know, is sort of established through your defense. And that's, I think, what the, the Pels need the most is to kind of improve on defense. Before I let uh, Jim potentially wrap up, if he has any more questions for you, I, I do want to mention, um, you know, you talked about covering Zion and going to his first game. When it comes to number one picks in height surrounding a player like Zion, where does it compare from other players that you have covered or just even in, in the NBA in, in general as far as what this hype meant, I guess, to the league as far as Zion and everyone anticipating his, you know, you know, his first debut and, and things like that? How does it compare to others or can you compare it to anyone else that you've covered around the league? I think it's very similar to a guy like LeBron. I mean, he lived up to the expectations. I mean, he actually, you know, sort of, went above the expectation. I don't know if you could say that about Zion, but I would say he certainly met expectations. He was everything that they said. And, you know, when I saw him, I was like, okay, he looks like – because I saw him in the preseason when they played the Spurs in San Antonio too. And I was like, well, he looks like a big old linebacker or a tight end or something, you know. I'm thinking that. And then when I saw him move, like I was shocked at how he moved. And so I guess in that way, maybe he he sort of – sort of surpassed what I thought he was because I don't think we've seen like anything like this in a long time as far as just sheer athleticism for a guy that big. Yeah, it's funny. The I remember leading into the draft, obviously everyone in the world knew that when the Pelicans won the lottery that Zion Williamson was going to be 
the number one pick and leading up to that, I remember as there always are during the draft, a bunch of comparisons where people are trying to say, who does he remind you of? And I feel like what was funny about when people tried to make comparisons to Zion is that there was never, a, it was always a combination of like three or four guys. You know what I mean? There was never any, there was never any one comparison where people were like, yeah, that's the one, that's the one that's accurate because it's just the combination that he has is just so, it's, it's like you said, it's just kind of unprecedented to have a guy who, as you mentioned, is built like a linebacker, but has in the first two minutes of the first preseason game in Atlanta, just for me, the first time ever seeing him play a game in person, it was just incredible just to see, like you said, the explosiveness that he has. Explosiveness, change of direction. I mean, he's got it all, man. I mean, like, he, the, the guy generates so much torque, he's blowing out his shoes. That's <laughs> something else, man. Seriously, that's something else. No doubt about it. Well, Michael, this has been uh, certainly a pleasure to have you on. I know you're busy right now with, with dealing with everything inside the bubble. You've done a great job covering the bubble for NBA.com and NBA TV. Of course, you can follow Michael on Twitter at Mike C. Wright as he'll have everything regarding the bubble. And, of course, we'll be keeping an eye on him as far as his Pelicans coverage as well coming into next season um, as we hear towards next season um, later on down the road. Michael, I really appreciate the time. This was certainly fun to do, talking about Zion. Keep up the great work with NBA.com and NBA TV, and we'll, we'll speak to you soon. Hey, I appreciate it. You guys, uh, you can show me some real New Orleans cuisine next time I come out, man, because, you know, I've done all the touristy stuff. I want to do the real deal now. Absolutely. That, that means you'll be actually coming to the arena, and so we can get everyone back into the arena safe and sound and, and all the reporters, too. We'll, we'll definitely make sure to get you a good cuisine. Sounds great, man. I'm a, I'm a big seafood guy, too, so if that's your thing, then – for we'll sure. see what we can work out. Okay, sounds good, man. <laughs> Jim's got all the spots. You're good to go if you follow Jim wherever or that may, may be in New Orleans. So good <laughs> stuff, Michael. I appreciate the time. All right, guys. Y'all have a good one. Thanks, all right, Mike. you too. All right, good stuff from Michael. Again, we wanted to make sure that we touched on a lot of important topics today, not only with Zion, but, of course, what's going on in the NBA, and make sure you follow Michael to do that as well. Mike C. Wright again on Twitter for everything going on with the boycotts and resumption of play. Again, a very important time going on in the NBA, not only the NBA, but the WNBA and the professional sports landscape. So we wanted to make sure we touched on that as well for the end of this podcast here for the week. So we finished out one week with Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday, and Zion Williamson. If you're sick of Jim and I already, well, too bad, because we have more of these player recaps coming to you next week. Josh Hart, Nicole Melli, Lonzo Ball are going to be our three for next week. And stay tuned for the guest on who will be on with us talking about those three. But we'll take the weekend off. We hope everyone has staying safe. Our thoughts and prayers with everyone in Louisiana and Texas with Hurricane Laura, as that has made landfall. Hope everyone stays safe with COVID-19. And we hope everyone has a great weekend as well. Until next week, for Jim, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CQ.